One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms could not begin to guess which pop song will win Billboard's Song of the Summer. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids, a nine-year-old named Tony and six-year-old twins named Libby and Nate. And I have two kids, a three-year-old named Jay and a nine-month-old named Kenny. They are pretty stinking adorable, aren't they? They are. I have to share this with our audience. I already texted you a picture. So I was doing some prep, prep work for this episode earlier in the week reading our screen time news article and Tony super helpfully sat down and wrote out like a 12 point bulleted list of ways that we can increase our podcast listenership. This kid's got a future guys. I'm telling you it's crazy adorable. Kid interviews about video games. Solid idea. Uh Kids interview kids. Also a good idea. Every third episode, one kid from our neighborhood. Every fifth episode, interview YouTubers. (laughs) Talk about adult shows. Solid idea. Prizes. I have read that this is the way to increase your listeners. Infinity War. Show different logos. Proof for prizes. Listen to while gaming. Some of these I'm not quite sure what they mean, but... (laughs) I I was just so... Yeah, I was so touched that he wanted to help out. Yeah. Oh, he takes our work seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about your kids? Have they done anything cute this week? Well, I guess not quite as cute, but we have had Mother's Day since the last time we recorded, right? Yes. So you know how in school they always have them fill out that sheet that's like, I love it when my mom does this, and mommy loves me because blah, blah, blah. Um. So they had Jay Phil went out at school and it was adorable as it is for every child. And the weird one that they had on the list was mommy is always busy doing blank, which I thought was kind of a weird phrasing of a thing. And Jay said, Jay's paper said, mommy is always busy doing her homework. And I said, Jay, what kind of homework do I do? And he said, your podcast, mommy. Oh, that's (laughs) cute. Uh, Okay, so today's article for Screen Time in the News came from Wired Magazine. It is called A Food Pyramid for Kids Media Consumption, and it is dated May 20th of this year. This is obviously something on our mind because we're coming up on summer. Screen Time policies are all a little laxer this time of year. And I like that it recognized that they're are gradients to screen time usage or I should say there are things that are better for you and worse for you and we can't just lump all screen time together. So they divide screen time into four different tiers of the pyramid and they're labeled tier one is used sparingly that's up at the tippy top where you would find butter and fats on your (laughs) classic food pyramid. Use occasionally I don't know. What would that be on a classic food pyramid? Like meat? Okay. Yep. Meat. And then use moderately would be your fruits and vegetables? 
I think so. And then use freely would be the bottom with your grains. Obviously, the food pyramid has changed. (laughs) But that's the one that I remember from childhood. Okay, so the things they say that you should use sparingly are things like screens before bed, background TV, screens during mealtime. That all seems to scan from what we've seen before. Use Mm -hmm. occasionally. It says YouTube first-person shooter video games, and social media. Okay. Mm-hmm. Use moderately interactive ebooks, active TV and video, like shows that make kids dance, active video games. The weirdest one I saw on the use moderately is just plain old movies and TV because I was always, I always thought this was the one that we were made to feel most vigilant about. Yes, I was really surprised by this, too. I lump all screen time together. Uh-huh. And so for me, this was super helpful and made me realize that maybe I can relax a little bit. Yeah, this and last week's episode. You must yeah. be breathing a sigh of relief and handing over yeah. the remote. <laughs> <laughs> so the final tier, use freely, are video chats with family. Makes sense. PBS mm-hmm. co-viewing, which apparently counts as separate from TV TV and movies. PBS yeah. is a whole different animal. Like, use freely, seriously. <laughs> Skill building and creating affinity groups. It's the only example it gives is activist groups like the Harry Potter Alliance, which I have no idea what that is. Nor do I. And as somebody who doesn't know anything about that I would have lumped that in with social media probably right right same but I guess we're supposed to be more discerning Mm -hmm. because we have time to figure out what all these newfangled things the kids are doing (laughs) right oh wait I guess that's what this podcast is for and the last is music audiobooks and podcasts which I would not call screen time at all but fine we can all agree that listening to things is good for kids yeah same I wouldn't lump that in with screen time at all but I guess you do use like a device to activate that content true still I think it's sketchy but really the biggest surprise for me is that movie and tv one that was the thing that stood out yeah I actually looked at this with Tony and we both found it really interesting and helpful as we plan our screen time structures and guidelines for the summer. Uh, the one thing that's missing, though, are, like, just video games. Like, we have a Nintendo Switch, uh-huh. and the kids have some, like, Mario games. And that's not really on here. Oh, you're Because it's right. not, like, an act. It's not, like, an active video game, like, a, like an old-fashioned Wii. Uh-huh. And iPad games, like, my kids like to play Lego Star Wars Saga. Uh-huh. That's a good point. That seems like a big omission on their part because they only address first person shooters mm-hmm. use occasionally and active video games like the Wii. Huh. Yeah. So I personally I would probably put them in with use occasionally just because when my kids watch a show on TV, it seems like it's a lot easier for them to turn it off and disengage from it. But when it's a video game they ugh, could do it forever. They would, yeah. I think. And it's they're crabby when it's done if you catch them at the wrong moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be more liberal with TV and movies and probably stick to my same 
restrictions on video games for the summer. Yeah, I just, as someone who does not care for video games, I can see myself potentially falling into the trap of being overly restrictive just because (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, Um, same. So that's definitely something that I'll have to watch out for in the future. Like, I don't want him to not have any friends because he doesn't know what Mario Kart is. Yeah, and this article briefly mentions that, and I was just talking to a friend who was asking her son's pediatrician about Fortnite, Uh speaking of first-person shooter video games, and the pediatrician was even like, kids who don't play what everybody else is playing can be a little bit socially isolated. It's an interesting article to check out. We will link to it on our Facebook page. Um, Let us know, listeners, what you think about the food pyramid for kids' media consumption. Uh, What you would add, what you would take away, what you would shift around. And you can also tell us how much you miss bread being at the bottom of the food pyramid. (laughs) Just me? (laughs) I'm just going to have six bagels and I'll be healthy today. Uh Uh-huh. They're blueberry (laughs) bagels. There's fruit in there. Oh, so following up on our last episode, it was so awesome to have Natasha Procagelo as our guest host. Um, she's the owner of My Tribe LLC. Um, it was really fun to discuss Motown Magic with her. I have to tell you, though, I was in an exercise class at the Y earlier this week, and uh, Michael Jackson's song came on. The instructor's like just shuffling playlist. <laughs> And I really thought hard about asking her to skip it, but then I thought it would just like draw too much attention to it. But all I could think about was like scenes from finding from Neverland. Uh And I have no, like I have never been abused and I found it to be triggering. Yeah. It made me feel terrible in like this YMCA class that normally makes me feel awesome. I had a very similar experience in that I was waiting at Jay's dance class because they don't let the parents into the class. So you kind of hear the other classes that are going on around because music is spilling out of all the rooms. And one of the groups, it's like a teen, one of the teen classes is performing a routine to Billie Jean. And Hmm. I just feel like there's no excuse for that. Like... The adults that are picking the music are actively making these choices. It's not like it just came up on shuffle on somebody's iPod. Like this woman is spending hours of her time coming up with choreography to this song. Like, yeesh, that's a tough one for me to swallow. Yeah, that's a good song, but it's got too much baggage at the moment. Gosh, I bet there's like a way to find a song with a similar beat similar length for a a substitute yeah yeah also I feel like irrespective of the context of Michael Jackson maybe the themes in Billie Jean are a little mature (laughs) (laughs) is that just me being a prude could be could be (laughs) should we move on to our topic for the day yes YouTube for summer we are spending all summer long on the YouTube. We're going to find good content. We're going to tell you what is 
bad content on YouTube. And so we're starting that off today with Crash Course, which is a YouTube channel. It's the brainchild of John Green. If you are familiar with YA or young adult literature, he wrote The Fault in Our Stars, Finding Alaska. He's just really good at teen romance. Um, and his brother, Hank Green, is an internet video producer and creator. Uh, they do have another channel called Crash Course Kids, but this one is aimed at high school students. Crash Course Kids is more, more for uh, grade school science, but Crash Course covers a ton of different subjects. It was created in 2006. Um, there's more than a thousand videos on it. The videos are about 10 to 15 minutes in length. And it started with uh, courses in history, literature, biology, ecology, and chemistry hosted by the Green Brothers. And since 2006, it has expanded. There's lots and lots of other topics like engineering, history of science, business soft skills, media literacy, theater and drama, statistics, study skills, sociology, world mythology. We picked it because we're all about preventing that summer slide we love nerdy content. <laughs> we love John Green. Who knows? Our standards may be adjusted as the summer <laughs> progresses, but this seemed like a good one to start with because it's not just like influencer content. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just a sucker for the celebrity endorsements in general. I never pay attention when they're trying to sell me skincare products, but mm -hmm. I just was drawn to this channel that is headlined by two pretty low-key adorable nerdy guys in my opinion mm -hmm. <laughs> totally totally and katie you found this one and listeners if you have any strategies for finding good youtube content let us know because there's a lot i was looking right before we started recording and because I feel like I should pick the the next one because you've done a good job researching things to watch so far. It is hard. Uh-huh. I tried to look for websites that had statistics as far as the most subscribed channels for kids or the most frequently mm -hmm. played stations for kids. And it seems to be that the highest subscriber rates goes to either a variation of those toy opening videos, which we already covered, Mm -hmm. or those endless loop nursery rhyme cartoons that like mm -hmm. are just hours of nursery rhymes to like pretty benign cartoon animation. It seems specifically for parents to like put in front of their very young children to make them zone out and stop crying. Mm hmm. Yeah. So those weren't really useful for our purposes. <laughs> but we're working on it. We'll see where the summer takes us. Yes. So for Crash Course, we watched the very first video they posted on YouTube uh, about the agricultural revolution. And when we were prepping for it, we watched the most recent video posted on YouTube, Making Time Management Work for You. And then I chose an additional video and Katie chose an additional video and I don't even know what you picked yet. Yes, this is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but let's start with the agricultural revolution, shall we? Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So this is a 
short segment hosted by John Green. It's kind of a combo monologue by John Green and animation by a company called Thought Bubble, which I will admit that I didn't do much research into. And it talks about the development of agriculture and how it developed independently in a lot of different places. And I thought it did a pretty good job of giving a two-sided story of whether this was a good historical development or not. It stayed away from the March of Progress sort of narrative, which I feel like is probably the one we got in school. And it Mm -hmm. didn't shy away from addressing some of the more troubling aspects of uh, agricultural society. Mm-hmm. Like factory farming and environmental damage and, you know, the relative happiness of hunter-gatherer populations versus uh, settled agricultural populations. Mm-hmm. In the end, he concluded that it's not really a revolution, but a process. It's not something that happened overnight, obviously. He also had a really weird obsession with the 99-cent double cheeseburger as kind of a symbol of how far our society has come from its hunter-gatherer roots and he would go on and on about how we've come to the point where like overly processed food is so cheap that we have a 99 cent double cheeseburger and he would eat it every once in a while and say how disgusting it was I don't know that part felt a little uncomfortably elitist for his point for me but Mm. other than that I thought the video was pretty catchy it was a pretty good overview and pretty even-handed I thought what did you think I really liked it I thought he was delicious delightful he talks really fast (laughs) for the purposes of this video which you know really keeps your attention makes you want to follow along to what he's saying I thought I liked the humor I could see where maybe high school students would think he's too corny or something but I thought it was adorable I really also found it very refreshing that it wasn't like progress is amazing which is kind of how history around like the agricultural revolution was taught when I was in like middle school, high school age, but it was definitely a more realistic and like holistic take on where we are, (laughs) what's happened to us. Exactly. Yeah. Did you, do you think that John Green gets away with cornier humor with the teenagers because they have so much built in goodwill for him because of his novels? He's kind of a celeb with the teens. And I think he should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think he can probably get away with it. I loved that first moment in this video when it was like he was the lecturer, the teacher giving the monologue, but then they cut to him as like a student at a desk raising his hand yeah. saying, will this be on the test? And John Green just goes into this wonderful rant about how Yes, there will be a test, and that test will be your entire life. Like, every cocktail party, job interview, dinner date, everything, you will constantly be tested on this knowledge. And I loved that. I loved the emphasis on just learning to become a whole human being. Yes, yes. The focus on lifelong learning, not just so you can get a good grade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I yeah, I liked it. I wanted to watch more John Green, mm-hmm. but the next video was not hosted by John Green. This one was about time management, making time management work for you. And it was um, hosted by a woman 
who identifies herself as like a freelance writer. And she went over lots of strategies for being successful in business, but I think it could apply to schoolwork as well. Things that we all know, but may not (laughs) practice, like multitasking doesn't make you more productive. Um, There's a disruption cost to getting up from your desk and having a snack. If you are doing group work, you should delegate things that you're not the best at, that other people can do. Um, She like called herself your internet mom and was like, you have to get exercise and sleep and be realistic and make smart goals. I thought it was much more dry than Mm -hmm. the John Green video, but that's kind of just the content. Right, right. And this is just like a more, for lack of a better word, just a boring subject. Agreed. And like, I remember being a young person and like, like, I would never, ever have learned these types of concepts from somebody lecturing about them. I mean, this is stuff it's taken me years and years. Right. (laughs) And for me, I have to learn by like doing it wrong first. Yeah. And I don't think there's no value in trying to drill these concepts into teenagers heads. I just think, Mm. first of all, the format is kind of ill suited to it because who's going to sit through an 11 minute video. I mean, (laughs) Like you were saying, it's really dry. It doesn't have the quick wit that the John Green video did. I feel like it could stand some more dad jokes. Yeah, and the just the content didn't lend itself to this format very easily. Like the thought bubble animation in John Green's video was, there was a lot to work with there because it was showing agricultural stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas the other one is just like someone at a desk. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a lot of like cutting away to quotations Uh and and like the words she was saying. Yeah. yeah. I think it was kind of a poor use of the host too, because I did do a little digging on the host whose name is Evelyn Naguji. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing her last name, but she goes by the tag Evelyn from the internet. And I looked at her YouTube channel and the video that they had playing on her home screen was like a a message for people who feel like they're falling behind in life because she's a probably middle of the age range millennial. So in her late 20s and it was it was funny and self-aware and I wanted a little bit more of that from this video. I think they underused their host because presumably they hired her because of this presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't this just because I liked it less than the agricultural revolution video doesn't make me want to stop watching crash course. Uh I would just like pick a different subject because yeah, there's so much to choose from. That's more interesting to me personally. It made me wonder about, when they moved away from just having videos hosted by one or the other of the Green Brothers, if that mm-hmm. kind of made them lose their focus and if like all the other things would feel less <laughs> entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know about you, but did that affect the other videos that you chose to watch or the other video that you chose to watch? Well, I chose to watch one on climate science because I like a good downer. <laughs> <laughs> and the host of that was 
he was pretty good. Oh, okay. He was on par with the woman who did the time management video. Okay. Like, fair, like good presence was interesting, um, but just not as entertaining as John Green. Yeah. In the beginning of the introduction, it says they're going to talk, talk about the dark questions about the future of life on earth, which oh. is, you know, what I like to read and listen and learn about. So it was perfect for me. Um, I mean, it went back to like the very beginning of climate, climate science um, and a scientist uh, named Calendar in 1938 linked rising CO2 levels with higher temperatures on earth, um, talked about the Keeling curve, um, how countries banded together and banned CFCs in the 80s. Um, and then it went into kind of what do we call this current epoch? Um, and I've definitely heard the term Anthropocene before. Um, that's what I would call it, I guess, just from the other things that I've read. Um, but he was using the term Capitalocene, like mm. the age of capitalism, which is another good word for it. Um, and then it talked about, of course, climate change denial, um, how it's a political problem, um, and then talked about possible solutions. Any any rays of hope? How there? unlikely they are oh, to man. happen. So it was a downer, but it was super informative. Um, really good way to like either brush up on a topic or learn about a new topic, I thought. Mm-hmm. It feels like to go from calling it Anthropocene mm-hmm. to cap. Capitalocene politicizes it even further. Yeah, that's more uh, opportunity for pushback, I think, from yeah. the deniers. Agreed, yeah. agreed. So not quite as successful as the first episode? Not quite as successful, but it was still high quality, I thought. What did you watch? I was inspired by how great I thought John Green's clip was to watch one done by his brother Hank. Uh-huh. So I watched... That's why carbon is a tramp. Crash course biology number one. Uh, And this was a biology video hosted by Hank Green. And there was a lot, guys. It was all about how organic compounds contain carbon and the fact that carbon is such a small molecule. It bonds very easily with other molecules. He refers to carbon as a sexy little minx disinterested in monogamy. (laughs) So it'll bond with multiple other molecules at the same time. You can see, knowing me at this point, how that analogy kind of got my hackles up. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand wanting to make concepts accessible and cool for teens, but I found this to be a little problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, slut-shaming carbon yeah slut-shaming wow. carbon <laughs> but seriously there was so much content here he talked about the difference between covalent and ionic bonds he explains the origin of lewis dot structures which are those little diagrams that we all see that show us how a molecule looks mm-hmm. he talks about the octet rule and how atoms want to get eight electrons in their outer shell there was a ton and I feel like it was an entire early high school course in chemistry crammed into one short video and he says at the end that you can click on the table of contents to navigate but 
I couldn't. It it wasn't clickable for me. Um, Were you watching on your phone or your computer? On my computer. Okay. So it was a lot. It was very speedy in a similar mm-hmm. way that John Green's video was. And maybe it's just because the content was less familiar to me, but I found it to be a bit more overwhelming. But Hank Green was very charming in a similar way to his brother. It was just, to me, not as successful. Mm-hmm. Did you like the concept in general? I did. I did. Reminded me, of course, of Ted Ed. Those were pretty educational videos, kind of aimed at the same age group, I would say. Uh What did you like better? Did you like this or Ted Ed better? I would kind of push back a little bit and say that I thought Ted Ed was geared towards a wider array of ages. Because didn't I watch one that was about like body odor and where body odor came from? Like, I definitely thought that was geared towards younger kids. Okay. Versus... Definitely everything we watch on Crash Course solidly pitched to the high school demographic. That doesn't Mm -hmm. make it better or worse. It's just different audiences. The Mm -hmm. thing I liked about Ted Ed, and this maybe strays into our animation conversation, is that Ted Ed very specifically pulled in different animation styles for every video. So in addition to experiencing different subjects, you also got to experience a different visual style. And because Crash Course used this thought bubble animation for everything, it had a much more uniform look. Mm -hmm. It is not necessarily an animation style that I cared for over much. Just Mm -hmm. the renderings of the people were not very appealing to me. Thinking back to Ted Ed, I thought it was easier on this YouTube channel to narrow by subject because it's divided up into topics. And Ted Ed just felt very like random to me. Uh-huh. And it, I mean, it could have been because I was like looking at Ted Ed on my phone and I looked at this on my computer. So that might be just my user experience. But I thought they were, I, I liked them both. I thought that this these videos clearly had a purpose. Like they're trying to make educational topics fun. <laughs> if you could see Deborah's face right now, she kind of rolled her eyes a little bit on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think they achieved it. Yeah, I think despite the fact that Crash Course extended its offerings to these somewhat less successful topics later on, I still think that their focus is a bit tighter than Ted Ed and that helps them. Mm-hmm. What did you think about... I called this in our document, the difficult, often embarrassing task of grownups making learning hip for teens. You rolled your eyes a little bit earlier. Do you think in general it would just elicit endless eye rolls and annoyed sighs? You know, I don't really have my fingertip on the pulse of the American teen. Yeah. So I don't know. I know when I was a teen, I was really resistant to anything that adults were trying to do to make things cool. Yeah. But I think that was, I mean, that was like the reality bites generation (laughs) and, and time. So it's hard to say. I think there was a, John Green uses like a word for sex, like skittily burping. Oh yeah. (laughs) That made me cringe. Yeah. And I, I don't know that teens would think this is cool. Yeah, which I guess brings me back to my, like, is there enough goodwill for John Green that he gets a pass? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think it's much more successful than, say, the Who Was show. Right, right, yeah. But I guess yeah. the Who Was show was skewed towards, it was teens doing the explaining, but it was probably skewed towards a younger audience. Mm-hmm. Ugh, but was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any specific thoughts on the design or the animation? I'm kind of with you. I didn't find it visually displeasing, but I wasn't really wowed by it you know what I would compare it to most readily and I'm going to express this very inarticulately (laughs) haha it's very unusual for me so you know when you're looking at uh infographic that's the word I'm looking for an infographic that says like this many people in the world are catholics and this many people in the world are muslims yeah it was that kind of stick person yes exactly with like it's not exactly a stick person it's a little bit more fleshed out but the bodies are still straight and the arms and legs are still like just tubes Mm -hmm. and that's with a circle for a head yeah Yeah. and that's what all the animation was and as much as I love a good infographic I just didn't love seeing that animated on screen it didn't do it for me Mm -hmm. what about video length the overwhelming thing for me was if I'm interested in knowing something quick about time management (laughs) I'm gonna Mm -hmm. go to the website go to a website or pick up a book or something because I feel like I can consume information quicker and absorb it I'm not gonna sit down and watch an 11 minute video about it yeah I think the videos are a little long yeah I hate to say it because 10 minutes isn't long no and obviously (laughs) it wasn't long enough to drill in the entire science of chemistry into my brain. (laughs) Sorry, Hank. Not super successful. So in some sense, they kind of bit off more than they can chew with some subjects. But yeah, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't sit down and watch a whole 10 minutes of this. I don't know. I feel like the ideal YouTube video length is like three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean (laughs) that they're gearing these to be shown like in the classroom, which would put them in direct competition with Ted Ed I don't know how they could with the uh, Colleen Carbon uh slutty little minx or whatever I <laughs> yeah I mean I, honestly if my kids were in high school and they were watching these videos I would not have I would not have a problem with it agreed I'm just not sure out of all the content out there that an educator would necessarily pick from this channel And I think that Ted Ed, too, has more of the infrastructure in place. Like, don't they also have lesson plans and their Mm -hmm. things are very explicitly developed with educators in mind? And as cute and fun as these throwaway videos are, they just don't have that same educational pedigree, I don't think. Mm -hmm. What adult movie or show did you find Crash Course comparing to? Okay, so weirdly, I didn't immediately have show comparisons in mind as much Uh as I had podcast comparisons in mind because I am a terrible sleeper and also my husband snores so when I go to bed at night I like to listen to particularly boring podcasts or audiobooks ideally narrated by someone with a droney British accent. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite things to listen to are great courses lectures. Are you familiar <laughs> with this? 
this range of audio content. <laughs> I have never, ever listened to one, but I've heard of them before. The great courses, they have them on all sorts of subjects. But I find that if I'm specifically looking for a dull British voice, a lot of their history content is great. When I thought of like grown-up geared content that was similar to what was being presented to us in Crash Course, that was what I immediately went for. What about you? Did you compare it to any adult movies or TV shows? Not in terms of content, but just in terms of like tone and pace. It really reminded me of, remember when MTV would have those weird little Dennis Miller shorts, like in between shows? It was like not, it was like a commercial for MTV, I think. And he would just be like talking to the camera super fast. I think he was like smoking cigarettes, <laughs> like ranting. He doesn't really make jokes. He like rants. And then, yes, <laughs> John, John Green pace and screen presence made me think of Dennis Miller in mid-90s MTV. I feel like this is where the great gulf between late Gen X and early millennial separates us because I have zero experience of that. But is it anything like Lewis Black's presence on like early Daily Show? You know how he would have his his sets where he would just like go on a brief rant about something? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Just to bring it back to something the youths might understand. (laughs) Although, I don't know. The youths aren't watching The Daily Show anymore. Sorry, Trevor Noah. It's true. (laughs) Did you um, cast the gritty HBO reboot? Okay, so I thought along those similar lines that it would be funny to have these videos hosted by foul-mouthed celebrities that also happen to have advanced degrees. Oh, that's good. So I looked it up, and I've always been kind of fascinated by the case of Ken Jong, who yes. is a medical doctor and is, by all accounts, a funny person, although I have never really cared for his style of humor. But I think maybe he could rock something like this. And then I, I kind of went down an internet rabbit hole of looking for other celebrities that had advanced degrees. So you have Dolph Lundgren, who has an advanced degree in chemical engineering. I think wow. that could be hilarious. David Duchovny has an advanced degree in English lit from Yale. Wow. Yeah. And I feel like this could be great. Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean himself, mm-hmm. has an, a degree in electrical engineering. Wow. And then randomly, Brian May has a degree in astrophysics. So I think that could be fascinating as well. Uh, From Queen? Yeah. I heard an interview on Fresh Air. Uh, Terry Gross interviewed him on Fresh Air. This was years ago, Uh years ago. And they talked about making the album that has we will rock you on it and and he described like he was like i'm a physicist you see and (laughs) described how they created like the sound of like the bleacher stamps on the record Uh yeah i would love to listen to that how about you i went more with the author angle Mm -hmm. so you know how oh wait wait pause pause this is gonna be someone really depressing right Not really. I'm just <laughs> apologizing for my taste. You know Jennifer Weiner. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you probably don't like her books. Oh, no, I re- I've only read one. I read Good in Bed, which I feel like uh-huh. is her most popular, or there was a time that it was her most popular. And I thought it was Yeah, it was, it was her good. first big hit. Yeah. yeah. But she, for a time, was really went really went hard in criticizing like the New York Time mm-hmm. uh New York Times book review section for not covering an equal number of female authors and kind of denigrating them to like the chiclet pile. So I would love to see her do a video explaining the patriarchy. Yes. I think that would be amazing. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. She had quite a sort of flame war going with Jonathan Franzen, didn't she? In yes. particular, they were. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I just heard Reese Witherspoon do an interview on some podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, So Many White Guys podcast. I would also love to watch a video of her like explaining like the film industry because she's such a brilliant person. So I went more with uh, author experts explaining what they do yeah I like (laughs) it I like it a lot I think we could combine these two actually let's just send our idea to John Green and be like get on this because I think he probably has the clout to make it happen can you get Brian May please yeah so fun (laughs) so was it better when we were kids it's just and we've talked about this before it's just a question of earnestness like the level of earnestness was exponentially higher when we were kids there Mm. was less of an attempt to talk to us on our level except for the occasional super awkward rap oh yeah yeah so I feel like this is even though it probably elicits its fair share of eye rolls it's orders of magnitude better than when we were kids right would you ever watch this alone voluntarily Again, the length is just a bit too much for me, despite the fact that I've listened to hundreds of hours of great courses material on subjects very similar to the agricultural revolution. That's so I can go to sleep, y'all. Like, I'm not going to sit down in front of a video of it. <laughs> How about right. you? Um, I am curious about... John Green's other videos because I liked that first one we watched so much probably what I'll do is I'll check out um, the one for kids the crash course kids Mm -hmm. and see if I can get my my own kids interested in that because they love educational stuff like they love science they love learning obscure facts Uh so I think that that would be a pick that I would watch with my family you are going to have kids that are excellently prepared for life's cocktail parties (laughs) (laughs) and I wish that like Jay and even Kenny I can't wait till they're old enough to nerd out on this stuff with me like I hope they'll be into it I'm sure I'm sure they will and despite my problems with Hank Green's saucy little minx analogy which I hope I mean it was an early video like I hope maybe in later ones he's course corrected for things like that. Mm-hmm. I would be happy to have my kids watch these and enjoy them. Yeah, same. I think it's totally fine for kids. And probably the content of the Crash Course Kids is better for our yeah. age range of can, kids. Can you imagine if 
like a high school kid actually watched that time management video and like absorbed its lessons and I followed it yeah wow that kid could rule the world (laughs) (laughs) so rating boy I would give it a four yeah, I would go 4.5. I was charmed. Yeah, totally. Good find, Katie. <gasps> thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2 or at our awesome new website at myscreentime2.com. We will also post on Facebook what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. Again, all summer long, we are doing our YouTube for summer segment. So we will be covering YouTube channels um, until we head back into the school year. If you have any suggestions for great things to watch, particularly awful things to watch, please let us know. Facebook or you can tweet us with any suggestions you might have at my screen time too. You can also email us at my screen time too at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children. And our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Please tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids. Screen and time. Time. Bye. Screen time. Bye. Screen time. Screen time.